Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Hey, if you're here for for the first time, we want to welcome you. We're so glad that you are here. My name is Nestor Flores, and I'm the campus pastor, and I'm so grateful that you would join us. Uh, We hope that you have a great time, and we know that if you open your heart, the Lord will speak to you. Isn't that true, church? Amen. Well, if you have your outline, if you have your bulletin inside as the outline, I want to invite you to take that out. You can follow along with me if you need a pen. I believe there might be some in front of you. Uh, Let's go before the Lord. Is that all right? Heavenly Father, we come before you because we're excited about 2022. Not because our eyes are on the pandemic or not because our eyes are on the government Or not even, Lord, because our eyes are on our uh, efforts. We're excited about 2022 because we know that you are always faithful to your promises. So this year will not be an exception to experiencing your promises. So, Lord, I pray that as we go into your word, that more than an encouragement, that more than just uh, biblical knowledge, that it would transform our heart, that it would change the way we live, and that we would walk out of this place better than we walked in, Lord. Because that is your desire, to take us from glory to glory to glory. You didn't bring us this far to go back to our old sin. You didn't bring us this far so that we can quit on what you are doing. You have been faithful and you will continue to be faithful. So as we gather, we have praised your name. And now, Lord, we need to be transformed by your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And if you agree with me, would you give the Lord a round of applause? Amen. Well, we're on a series that we started last week called God's Promises for a New Year. If you weren't here last week, I want to invite you to go to one of our social media channels and watch the message from last week. And uh, we said that we need something to anchor our lives, something to bring fuel to our lives in 2022. Because I see a lot of people are kind of dragging themselves or just kind of cruising by or not very hopeful for something good in this year. And that is why we have started this series because we are looking at 15 promises that God made to us. And these 15 promises are known as the Psalms of Ascent. And these 15 Psalms were actually 15 songs that the people of God would sing as they went from where they lived to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. And they sang these songs because they believed in God's promises. And they became psalms that not just were sang as they ascended to Jerusalem, but they were also called psalms of ascent. Because when, if you embrace them, they will elevate your life. 
And what's so amazing, and I shared this with you last week, so I'm not going to recap everything, but what was so amazing was that the people began to sing them as songs. But they embraced them so much that God fulfilled their expectations. And I got to tell you something. You and I, we need to do the same. We need to embrace God's promises for one simple reason. You want to know what that one simple reason is? It's found in 2 Corinthians 1.20 right there in your outlines. And look at what it says. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. How many promises? All his promises. But, but, but here's the thing you got to know. If we're going to embrace God's promises, the first thing we need to do to embrace God's promises is that we must know them. You cannot embrace what you don't know. If you, if you want to embrace God's promises, the first thing you got to know is know what those promises are. Can I tell you something, church? There's people that are expecting things from God that God never promised to do. There's people that are praying for God to do something that God never promised to do. And then they get disappointed with God because God didn't answer the way they thought. Well, God is not a genie. God is not there to fulfill your wishes. He's there for his glory and he gets glory and blessing you, but he wants to bless you his way. So that's why we're doing this series. And, and, and last week we looked at the first five promises. We're going to recap them shortly for those of you that weren't here. But today I want to look at the next five. Are you ready? Are you ready? Those of you online, if you're ready, I want you to type ready. I want you to interact with somebody. Let's look at the first five promises. Number one, in this new year, we believe that the Lord will keep us promise to deliver us from lies. Amen? And how does God do that? Through the teaching of his word. When we remain in his teachings, his truth sets us free. Number two, the second promise is that in this new year, the Lord will protect me. The Lord will protect me. I failed to mention last week that um, I share with you how we were looking for a car. And, uh, you know, we found this one car online and I was interacting with the guy and we made an appointment to meet twice, twice. And both times he never showed up. And as I, as I talk to people, they tell me that that is one of the ways that they rob people. I got to believe that the hand of God was upon me. That the Lord protects me, amen? The third promise is that in this new year, the Lord is going to give me peace and prosperity. The Lord is going to prosper my life and he's going to surround me with peace. Fourth, in this new year, the Lord will what? Sustain me. The Lord is not going to let me fail. The Lord is not going to let me end in destruction. If I put my eyes on him, he will see me through. And then last but not least, last week we saw that this new year, the Lord is with me. Amen. His presence is my anchor. His presence is that firm foundation that I need in my life. Are you ready for number six? Yes, number six. In this new year, the Lord will make me unshakable. The Lord will make me unshakable. 
Church, can I tell you that one of the things that we need in our present day is unshakable people? People that are not shaken by an offense? People that are not shaken by bad news? People that are not shaken by their feelings? And the sixth promise for 2022 is that the Lord will make us unshakable. Look at what Psalm 125 verses 1 and 2 says. It says, those who trust in the Lord as are what? As secured as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will what? Endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. Question, when is it that we need stability the most? I'll tell you when. In difficult times. In difficult times is when we most need stability. I'll tell you why. Because it is in difficult times that we fear and we doubt. And doubt, doubt will handicap, doubt will hinder your faith life. Can I tell you how doubt hinders your faith life? Because it is when times are difficult that it is hard to believe and to have faith. And we begin to to say stuff like, well, what if God doesn't answer me? Well, what if God doesn't listen to me? Well, what, what if God is mad at me? And doubt, doubt will hinder your, your, your faith life because doubt prevents us from believing. Listen to this. You might want to write this down. I think they're going to put it up in the screen. Faith, I mean, doubt will prevent you from believing and a lack of faith, a lack of believing will prevent you from receiving. Can I tell you something? You won't be mad at me? There's prayers that we have made that God has wanted to answer, but he hasn't because we haven't truly believed. Lord, I, I, I know you're going to see me through, but yet you fail to act in faith. Doubt prevents us from believing because we doubt who we are. I love the way we worship the Lord this morning. And I don't know if you caught it, but a lot of it has to do with who God says we are, our identity in God. And in hard times, we doubt who we are in God. And when we doubt who we are in God, that prevents us from having faith. And when we don't have faith, we won't receive. But Psalm, this Psalm 125 tells us that those who put their faith are like Mount Sion. How hard is it to move a mountain? Very hard. And God says that when we put our faith in him, when we put our trust in him, we become unshakable. Now, here's the thing. Our trust needs to be in God and God alone. You can't have one one foot with God and one foot in your finances. You can't say, well, God, I trust you, but just as a plan B, you know, I'm going to ask my mother-in-law. Our trust needs to be in God alone. And when it is, we become a stable person. And can I tell you three things that stability does in us? Number one, stability makes us balanced people. Stability makes us confident people. And stability makes us trustworthy people. 
That's what stability does. So this new year, we're going to believe that as we put our trust in God, God is going to make us unshakable. And nothing that the enemy throws at you or throws at me is going to shake us because God surrounds us and protects us now and forever. Amen? Number two, the seventh promise is that in this new year, the Lord will restore me. The Lord will restore me. Psalm 126, verses 1 through 6. Look at what it says. When the Lord brought back his exiles from Jerusalem, and remember our campaign of last year, we talked about the exile, remember? They were in Babylon, and God eventually brought them back. So this is what it's talking about. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, look at this, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord. As streams renew the desert, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with a harvest. Let me tell you, if you have a Bible... You got to highlight this verse. You got to highlight this psalm. Because this psalm is a prophetic declaration of hope for God's people. This is a prophetic psalm. And, and, it, and it promises hope. And, and it can encourage you in dark times. Because there is a promise. Listen to me. God never promised that bad things wouldn't happen to us. But God did promise that he would restore things in our life. It doesn't mean that we won't lose jobs. But it does mean that he will restore us. It doesn't mean that we won't get dinged up. But it does mean that he will restore us and this is a prophetic psalm that restores hope because we expect a restoration in fact let me break it down for you let's look at verses one and three let's read it once again when the lord brought back his exiles from jerusalem it was like a dream two things number one that in itself is proof that the Lord restores. Because although it was God, or better said, their sin that had taken them to exile. Are you familiar with that? Sometimes we're hard-headed and our sin gets us in trouble, right? And then we blame God because he didn't protect us. Well, it's our sin. So their sin got them into exile. But God is a God of restoration. And he said, although I will let you go into exile, you will not remain in exile, but I will bring you back to your land and you will be fruitful and you will prosper so God had already done that but look at the second thing it says in the second part it says it was like a dream sometimes our restoration seems like a dream God could you really restore me from that trauma that I experienced and it seems impossible it may seem like a dream but when the when the hope of the Lord gets in you you begin to dream you begin to have expectations for a better future. You can begin to see what a future looks like. And then I want you to notice verse 2. Look at what it says. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. Look at the, the, the happiness that the Lord restores. Church, we're in the middle of difficult times. 
And I believe there's something bigger going on than this pandemic. But I got to tell you something. God will restore us. God will restore the church. God will restore your family. I know there may be difficult times, but there is a promise that God is going to restore things in our life. In fact, look at verse four. Look at what it says. It says, restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Now, check this out. You may not be familiar, but the Israelites were very familiar with the desert called the Negev. And the Negev was an extremely dry, horrible desert. And as they sang this psalm, they had the, that desert, the Negev, in mind. And it says, your restoration, your hope is like waters that renew the Negev. Now listen to me. Water in the Negev was extremely rare. It was almost a miracle. It was a dry and rigid place. But when rains came, listen to this. When rains came, they didn't just sprinkle, they poured. And this desert suddenly was flowing with rivers up to 650 feet wide and 12, deep, 12 feet deep. And, and as the waters came, they renewed the desert. And as the waters came, they brought life, they brought beauty. And, 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 the, and the people of Israel believed that the restoration of the Lord was like waters that quench a desert. So maybe you're saying, you know, it's a little too late for me. Um, you know, it's not going to happen. I want to tell you it is going to happen. In fact, can I tell you how secure your restoration is in God? You ready for this? Look at what verse five and six says. It says, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Now, why is that in that psalm? For one simple reason, and that is to tell us how secure our restoration in God is. And our restoration in God is as secure as the, as the law of harvest is true. The law of harvest says that if you put something down, something will come up. That is the law of harvest. And this psalm promises that the restoration of God will come into our lives. So listen, maybe right now, maybe right now you're weeping. But as you trust in the Lord, your weeping will turn into joy. Maybe right now, maybe right now there's a lot of groaning. Maybe right now there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sighting. But let me tell you, as you put your trust in God, he will turn that into shouts of joy. I, I, I would hope there would be a few people more excited. I don't know. Maybe, maybe those of you online can help me out, but I know we're fasting and, and you didn't have your coffee, but, uh, but, but come on. The Lord's word is good. Number eight, number eight. Here's the eighth promise. And that promise is that in this new year, the Lord is my provider. That in this new year, the Lord is my provider. Psalm 127, verse 2. Look at what it says with me. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders what? Labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. 
In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Now, listen. In this psalm, in Psalm 127, the key word of that psalm is the word vain. It's used three times. And that word vain has the idea of nothing or nothings. Especially in the context that it is used, it speaks of a vain life. In other words, listen to this, a vain or a false life. Now, because I love you and, 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 and because I'm your pastor, I'm, I'm going to tell you basically the idea that he has. And the idea of this psalm is that when we see ourselves as the source of our life, we live a false life. If we think that our life depends on our efforts, our ability, our giftings, we live a false life. I want you to notice two expressions in those verses. It says, unless the Lord builds the house. Let me tell you something. Unless the blessing of God is upon something, no matter what you do, the enemy can destroy it and will destroy it. The second expression says, unless the Lord watches over the city. See, here's the thing. If we don't recognize the Lord as the source of everything in our life, we will live a false life. And that is why we got to embrace the promise that not only is he the source, but that he is going to provide everything that we need. I, I got to believe that all of us in here want success in life. And you know, society defines success as excelling in one area. But the Bible has a bigger idea of what success is. And success in life always intertwines four key areas of your life. Let me tell you what they are. You might want to write these down. The first area is your spiritual life. And it is the most important area of your life. Let me tell you something. If you have success in every, uh, in every other area, but you fail in this first area, you will pay for it in eternity. If you don't have homes here, if you don't ever have a popular name here, if you don't ever own a big house here, but you have a vibrant spiritual life, let me tell you something. You got something wonderful waiting for you in heaven. So the first area is your spiritual life. The second area is your personal life. It's who you are. It's your habits, your abilities, your character, your mind, your emotional helping. The third area is your family life. Now, I want you to notice the order of these. A lot of times we want a successful family life, but our personal life is in chaos. I'm going to tell you something that I always do in marriage counseling. If you ever come see me for marriage counseling, I'm going to share this with you. I always draw two stick figures, a male and a female. And then a circle in the middle. And I put a big M in it because it's, it's marriage. And I put a 10. And I said, if these two individuals want a marriage that it's the best marriage, a number 10, what do they need to be? What do they need to be? A 10. Between both or each one? 
Each one needs to be a 10. Because who you are determines what your marriage is. And a lot of times, couples think that the problem is marriage. Oh, marriage doesn't work. No, you know what doesn't work? Unhealthy people doesn't work. So your personal life is the foundation to your family life. If you're a healthy husband, if you're a healthy uh, wife, you'll be a healthy father, a healthy mother. And then the last area is your professional life. Now, can I tell you something, church? Go to the next one, guys. You're, oh, yeah, go to the next one, Angel. You're, in America, in America, I can't speak for other nations, but in America, we turn this upside down. Isn't it true? Come on, come on. Help me preach, somebody. Yes. If you can't say amen, say ouch. ouch. In America, we turn this upside down. What gets our number one attention? Our work. Our work. There's a pandemic. We won't go to church, but we'll go to work. And then we try to focus on the family. And whatever little time left, we leave for our, for our wife or our spouse. And what does God get? Our crumbs. Success in life is having success in these four areas. And they intertwine. And this psalm speaks about God giving you success in all those four areas when you acknowledge him as the source and the provider of everything in your life. James said that every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes from God. Verse 1 of this psalm speaks about your spiritual and personal life. Verse 2 talks about your professional life. And verses 3 and 5 talk about your personal life as well. So don't live a false life. Now, I, I think we all agree that God is God and everything comes from him. But can I tell you something? I think sometimes that becomes lip service and not really something cemented in our hearts. And don't feel bad, don't feel bad, because I think it happens unintentionally. I think we do. I think it happens unintentionally. We're not careful, and suddenly we begin to say, well, I've studied hard, so that's why I have this degree. Well, I've worked hard, so that's why we have this house. And we forget that it was the Lord who gave you the breath of life, who gave you a brain to be able to accomplish those things. If we forget that, give the Lord a round of applause. If we forget that, we will live a false life. Look at the warning. Church, look at the warning. Church, look at the warning that God gives us in Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. It says, never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energies. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he, he, he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Never say to yourself, I am where I am because I strapped myself by my bootstraps. You may have, but that's not where it all started. It all started with God. So church, 
recognize the Lord as the true source of your life and you'll have success in your personal, spiritual, family, and work life. Amen? Number nine, number nine. Here's the ninth promise. In this new year, the Lord will fill me with joy. The Lord will fill me with joy. Hey, can I tell you something? I know what it's like to lose your joy. Anybody with me? Anybody know what it's like to lose your joy? Anybody know what it's like to be on autopilot? Anybody know what it's like to wake up every day, uh, some days, and, and just live by inertia? When that happens, the Lord has promised to restore our joy. Look at what Psalm 128 verses 1 through 6 says. How joyful, and it is a rhetorical question, how joyful are those who fear the Lord? All who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who what? Fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. Can I tell you something? The joy that God promises, you might want to write this down. This is, this is important. The joy that the Lord promises is undeserving. Did you know that? We don't deserve his joy, but he wants to give it to us and he's willing to give it to us. But this psalm tells us who he gives that joy to. Did you catch it? In other words, God's joy is undeserving, but at the same time conditional. It's not just up there for you to grab whenever you want to. It's conditional. What is that condition? Well, the first part of the psalm tells us. Look at what it says one more time. Verse 1. It says, how joyful are those who what? Who fear the Lord. All who follow his ways. Joy. Listen to me, church. Joy is the result of fearing the Lord and walking in his ways. Joy is not the result of of good intentions. Joy is not the result of thoughts and prayers. No, joy is the result of fearing the Lord and walking in his ways. Now, some of you are thinking fearing the Lord, that's kind of scary. And I know what comes to mind is probably a parent, a strict parent. If some of you, you had very strict parents, right? And, And you fear them like just fear them, right? Like, like you, but that's not what the Bible has in mind. That's not. Let me tell you, let me define fear for you. Fearing God means you respect God in such a way that you submit to God and you obey him in faith. Fearing God means that you respect him so much that you obey him and you submit to him. Let me, let me illustrate this to you. Let me illustrate this to you. I fear my mom. As short as she is. 
I fear her. Not because she's mean. Follow, follow me, follow me. Not because she's mean. But because I love her and because of who she is to me. There were things and there are things, listen to me, that I've wanted to do that I haven't done because she has told me, if you ever do that, you will break my heart. And I fear hurting and disappointing my mom so much that although there's things that I want to do, I don't do them because out of my respect and love for her. Once again, God is not a genie. He's the almighty. He's holy. He's enthroned in praise and worship 24-7. We need to have obedience and submission before the Lord. We need to fear him. Not because he's mean. Not because he's going to punish us but because we love him so much and we understand who he is in our lives. Now, listen to this. This psalm tells us that when a person fears the Lord, the Lord brings joy to that person in seven areas. And seven is very key in the Bible because the number seven means completion. So he brings complete joy. You might want to write these down, okay? And they're found in the psalm. Because of the sake of time, I'm not going to identify each one. But they're clearly identifiable. Here's the first area. He will bring joy in your job. If you got a miserable job, God can bring joy in your job. Have I told you that I love what I get to do? You know, I, I, I love being your pastor. I want you to know that. I, I love it. I love serving you. I love pushing the church forward. I love uh, developing. And we got some great things in plan uh, this year. Amen? Amen. God is going to restore us. God is going to use us. And God is going to fill his house once again. Amen? Amen. And I want to tell you something. He's going to use you. I know you guys think that I'm the key to all this. I'm not. I'm just the donkey pulling the hearse. You, 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 you're the important one. Amen. He's going to bring joy to your job. The second area, here's another big one. Don't shout too hard on this one, okay? He's going to bring joy in your marriage. Pastor, is that possible? You mean I don't have to endure it? You mean I can enjoy it? Remember when you were dating? Remember? You, every dark spot you saw was a temptation because there was so much joy. He can restore your joy. Why is Stephen the only one laughing? <laughs> and he's not even married. I'll, yeah, I'll tell you why, Stephen. Because all the other married people are shy. Bye. Church, let me, I want you to hear it from me. Sex is a good thing. Amen. Sex is God's gift. Yes, Don't be ashamed of it as long as it's with your spouse. You should be ashamed of it if it's not your spouse. But if it's your spouse, brag about it. It's a good thing. God gave us that gift. Here's the third one. Here's another one. Here's another one. And if you got them next to you, don't elbow them. But God will restore your joy with your children. 
You, Pastor, you mean it can be joyful to be a parent? Yes, it can. If you fear the Lord. Amen. Here's the next one. The next area is joy in your daily life. Joy in your daily life. The fifth one is joy in your city. In other words, joy where you live. The sixth one is joy in your grandchildren. And this is almost like a double promise because not only does he restore joy with your grandchildren, but he promises to give you life to see your grandchildren. Amen. You know, I look at my mom, how she enjoys my kids. And when I go visit my dad, how he enjoys my kids. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's God's blessing. That's God's blessing. Amen. And then last but not least, here it is. Here's another big one. Don't say ouch on this one. Okay. He promises the seventh area is joy in the family of God. In other words, joy in the church. That you can come to church and be glad you came to church. And I say, I got to go to church because if not, the pastor is going to call me. No, I want to go to church because God is so amazing and it's good to be there. Amen? Amen? Joy is promise when we fear and we walk in the Lord's path. Amen? Amen. Number 10, I'll finish up with this. The 10th promise is that in this new year, the Lord will give me victory. Anybody need victory? Anybody need victory? Man, Psalm 129 verses 1 through 5. Look at what it says. For my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. Let all Israel repeat this. For my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me, but they have never defeated me. My back is covered with cuts as if a farmer had plowed long furrows. But the Lord is good. He has cut me free from the ropes of the ungodly. May all who hate Jerusalem be turned back in shameful defeat. This is a powerful psalm. Because it talks to us about how to have victory in the midst of suffering. Church, I hate to say it to you, but you're going to suffer in this world. You're going to suffer. Being a Christian and having a vibrant spiritual life does not make you immune to suffering. In fact, Paul said that outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed. And as long as we are in this world, suffering, pain and suffering will be part of our experience. But here's the wonderful promise that we find in Psalm 129. And that is when pain and suffering come, God promises to give us victory. Church, you got two options. You got two options when it comes to pain and suffering. You can either overcome it or you can succumb to it. You can become a victim to it. And and we got too many victims today. We need people that can experience the victory of God in spite and even in the middle of pain. To say, hey, things didn't go the way we want them. You know, I wasn't expecting this to happen to my child. I never thought that this would happen in my marriage. Well, why did that happen to me at work? We may never know. But here's what you can know. In spite of pain and suffering, God can give you victory. God can give you victory. Now, now, you want to know why more people don't experience victory? 
one simple word. One simple word, and it's a very heavy, almost difficult word. You ready? Perseverance. Let me tell you, I don't know what you're going through, and I'm not making light of what you're going through, but there's victory at the end of your pain and suffering. And if you persevere, God will see you through. God will see you through. But we got to persevere. I want to say this very respectfully, but very lovingly. We got to stop being weak Christians. We got to stop being weak Christians. Perseverance is a key word when it comes to our salvation. We got to persevere. We got to endure. This summer, I'm going to do a series called Five things strong Christians don't do. And you're going to get to find out how strong of a Christian you are. Can I tell you one of them? Strong Christians don't get easily offended. Amen? Perseverance. Now, there's three lessons that we learned about pain and suffering and persevering through pain and suffering to victory as we look at the story of the Israelites and as we look at the life of Jesus. And these three truths, these three lessons can help you persevere, can help you keep fighting when you want to give up. You ready for them? Here they are. Number one, number one. Here's the first lesson that we see about the Israelites and about Jesus. And that is the pain and suffering do not mean defeat. Just because you are experiencing pain and suffering doesn't mean you are a defeated person. Verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 129 says, From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. Some of you, you may identify with that. And you said, Pastor, as long as I can remember, I've always had to deal with difficult stuff. I've always had, if not one thing, another the Israelites can understand you. But look at what he says. Look at what he continues to say. Let all Israel repeat this. From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me, but they have never defeated me. If you say, Pastor, since I can remember, if it hasn't been one thing, it's been another, but I've always had issues in my life, I'm sorry. But you're here. And that means that God has seen you through. It means that God has kept you. The Israelites, can you, do you recall the things that they experienced? Egypt, the desert, constant battles with their enemies, the exile. But here's what we know. Nothing defeated them. If you look at Jesus, Jesus was flogged, lied about, spit, hit, put on a cross, thrown inside a tomb, but not even death could defeat him. So I want to tell you this morning, if you are feeling less, if you are feeling down about yourself because you are dealing with pain and suffering, I want to tell you that pain and suffering are not a sign that you are defeated. You are not defeated. Look at what 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 10 says. 
It says, we are hard pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Amen. So first lesson, suffering and pain does not mean that you're defeated. But here's the second lesson. Pain and suffering have limits. Pain and suffering have limits. Verse 3 and 4 of Psalm 129. It says, my back is covered with cuts as if a farmer had plowed long furrows. But look at what he says. But the Lord is good. He has cut me free from the ropes of the ungodly. Every pain and suffering has a limit set by God. And God will not allow any pain or suffering come into our lives that will lead us to defeat. Let me prove that to you. Look at what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. It says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. How faithful is God? He will not allow you to be tempted to, to allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Now, let me, let me stop there. You know the next part. He says, and he's going to provide a way out. But God will not give you more than you can endure. Pastor, but I thought you said last week that God does give us more than, he, than we can endure. Yes, he does. Let me tell you what Paul has in mind in this verse. God knows our true potential. God knows our true potential. You know, Pastor Manolo and I, we started going to the gym because we're getting older and fatter. So we, we, we wanted to take care of, of uh, God's, God's house, right? So we started going to the gym. And um, there's a couple of people at church that have been going to the gym for a long time. So I went up to them and, and I asked them for some tips. And, and so, you know, so one of the first times that I went by myself, by myself, Pastor Manolo didn't go with me, that I went by myself, I was trying to do some weights. And, and there was this one girl there and she had had 50 pound weights on each side and I saw her and I said I run I ran the marathon I got strong sexy legs at least that's what Lorena says um I can do it I can do it and guess what one of the times I tried it I couldn't check this out I couldn't then but if I work out, I can't. You follow me? I can't do it now. But if I work out enough, I could do it. And see, when God allows things into our life, he doesn't have in mind who we are right now. He has in mind who he knows we can be. So... We look at ourselves right now and we say, oh, God gave me more than we can handle. But God says, I know who you are in Christ. And, and I know that if you look at this, it feels like it's more than you can handle. But if you look at this, it is not more than you can handle. And by the way, I will provide a way out. So every pain and suffering has its limits. And then last but not least, the third thing is that victory is assured. I told you last week, church, we don't lose. 
We don't lose. The church doesn't lose. God doesn't lose. Look at what Jeremiah 1.19 says, and I'll finish up with this. It says, they will fight you, but they will fail. Somebody needs to maybe write that somewhere in their mirrors and remind yourself that. They will fight you, but they will fail. Why? For I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. So, so I want you to know this morning that as we seek God and we put our trust in God and as we become aware of his promises, if you'll embrace them, if you'll embrace them, he will make you unshakable. He will restore you. He will provide for you. He will fill you with joy and he will give you victory. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.